Welcome to Canyon Hills San Luis Obispo podcast. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and equips you to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And then if you're feeling a, a little bit extra dangerous today, you can also mark Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, or you can just follow along on the screen. This is what the word says. It says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and I am lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Then he says in verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Now, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, the apostle Paul is speaking at a time in his life where everything is going against him. Nothing is perfect, everything is falling apart in the natural, but in Philippians chapter 4, especially in verse 6, he makes this declaration. He says this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, say everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So Jesus is saying, look, here's the deal. Rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. The Apostle Paul, taking on the example of Jesus, says in times where things are mounting up, don't be anxious. It's pretty hard to do, huh? It's hard not to be anxious. If you're taking notes this morning, I want to speak to you from the subject of I'm stressed. (laughs) Someone started laughing. That's great. I'm stressed. Would you, would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be in your house. God, I pray as we turn to your word today that our hearts would be open and that our minds would be open. And right now, I pray against any distraction that would, that would try to come. God, football season is over. Alerts aren't coming by ESPN. God, baseball's almost here. And Lord, that's going to be more distractions for this preacher. And maybe for those in the congregation who believe that baseball is the greatest sport of all time. And Lord, if they don't, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you'd forgive them. Save them, set them free. But God, on a serious note, bind every distraction. God, your word changes things. We came here to be changed. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Would you give your neighbor a high five real quick and sit on down. Thank you, Whitney. All right, so here's the deal. Right from the bat, here's what we're talking about today. Today we are talking about stress, okay? So the question comes up. Some of you may already know the answer to this question. Some of you may think you know the answer, but you haven't quite dialed it in. But I'm going to give the answer to some of us who who don't know what it is by the form of definition, dictionary.com. But the question is, is what is stress, okay? So if we go to the dictionary, here's what it says. It says, stress is a pressure or attention exerted on a material object. It also goes on to say that it's a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from an adverse, or, and I love how I put this in here, or a very demanding circumstance. Has anybody got any very demanding circumstances in their life right now? How many of you guys would say um, that you'd say, maybe by actually raising up your hand so I could see if I got the target audience today, That stress has come upon you maybe once or twice in your life. Show of hands. All right, cool. So we got a common denominator in here. At some point, 
we have been stressed. If you're here and you're saying, you know what? I'm too blessed to be stressed. Well, let me just say it's a cute t-shirt and a really good bumper sticker. But I don't think that's the case. I think without a shadow of a doubt, everybody in this room at some point or another has experienced stress. And if you haven't and you believe the t-shirt and you've got the bumper sticker, I'm just having a little bit of fun here, hold on. Because a very demanding situation is going to come your way. And I've, I've come to give you some great news. Does anybody like great news? Okay, so the Bible says that when God's word is preached or sown, it's like a seed and it comes and it falls and falls on all different types of grounds. But there's this one little portion of scripture that says when God's word is sown, immediately, don't like that word, the enemy comes to try to mess with God's word. So the great news is we're going to talk about stress here this morning. We're going to talk about what we do with it. And when you leave this place, you're going to face a very stressful, demanding situation. Thanks for joining us at church today. It's really good to have you. But that's the case. Because anytime you declare God's word about something, the enemy wants to come and he wants to mess with your life. For the enemy has come, John 10, 10, to kill, to steal, and to destroy your life, your dreams, your hopes. He's going to come after you. So we have to understand that. Okay, so here's the deal. We're talking about stress And I want to answer the question right from the get-go is, what do we need to know about this? Okay, what is it that we need to know about stress? Here's what you need to know. You can write this down. Stress is more than a problem. It's an opportunity. Stress is more than a problem. It's an opportunity. Let's get a little interactive. I'll say stress is more than a problem, and then you get to declare that it's an opportunity. And some of you are going to have to talk yourself into actually believing this. Stress is more than a problem. Come on, let's say it like you mean it. Stress is more than a problem. Somehow we've convinced ourselves that we say it louder or we actually mean it. (laughs) At least that's how we deal with our kids. It's like, please don't do that. Please don't do that. And we, whatever. But here's the deal. I want to present to you today that I believe stress is more than a problem. See, for most of us, that's all we look at it as. Stress is just a major problem in my life, and it's easy because we're all human to navigate towards this negative side of stress is a problem. But God's word shows us something different about this area of stress, and there's actually an opportunity that you and I have when stress comes on us, whether we leave this place today and it comes, whether we go to work tomorrow and it comes, we have an opportunity to do something. Just this past week, just this past week, I I found myself in a little place not known as Disneyland, which sounds a lot of fun because it's the place of joy and childhood and all that stuff. I found myself in this different type of land called Stress Land. You ever been there before? It's called Stress Land. So this week, I I knew coming up this week that I was going to be receiving some emails uh, about my boys. Now, my boys have decided after a year of taking off from baseball, and no, it's not because any of you guys convinced them that soccer's a better sport or that anything else is good, but they just, uh, I knew that was going to happen every time, uh, <laughs> but I just, they decided they wanted to take a year off, 
and they wanted to try a different sport, which I'm like, hey, at this age, I really want you to do that. I've got some convictions as a dad, but um, I was like, okay, you guys can take a year off. And so they, they took up golf, and they, they really loved golf, um, trying, something about trying to hit a little white ball straight or a, a, a neon green ball or a pink ball, whatever you want to call them now. Straight is just, it's fascinating to a lot of people, even those of us here today that are going to do golf and grub, which this message completely applies to you today. So, Joe, if you get stressed on the golf course, man, listen to the words I'm saying today. It's going to help. Uh, I'm preaching to myself. But they, they decided they're going to do that. Well, after about two weeks of trying golf and watching their friends play baseball, they're like, Dad, we, we, we want to play baseball. To which my heart was so happy, so overflowed with joy that my sons have determined that the most godly game ever created, the greatest American pastime, you guys are getting quiet in this place. Maybe you're contemplating, thinking about it. Maybe you're asking God to forgive you for thinking otherwise. But I was just so happy as a dad to go like, yes, that's my boys. Like they get to go and get dirty and just I love everything about it. So I get this email and I knew the email was coming and it was gonna tell them what team they were on, when the practice days are, and when the games are. So in preparing for that, your type A personality pastor who runs everything through a to-do list in his calendar who will not say yes to you unless I've checked that to-do list or calendar, amen to that, decided, okay, when this comes, I'm going to have to adjust some things. I know it's coming. So the first email comes, and it's for Jacob, and I know what it's going to be. One practice a week, one game a week. Why do I think that to be true? That's how it was last time. Oh, no, 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 no. Not this year, we've made some changes. This year, it's one practice a week, which is great, but then it's two games a week, to which I'm like, okay, no big deal. We'll, we'll make this happen. The problem was, is on that same day, I did not get the same text message or the same email for, for MJ. Now, I know what's coming with MJ. It's, it's one practice a week, and it's two games a week. I, I know that. Why? Because last time when we played, that's what it was. So I get the email, was that the case? Oh, no, no, no. I have three parts of bad news in this email. It's not just the practice and it's not just the games, those are great things. It's the header of the email that caused my skin to just, uh, and it said, MJ, welcome to the Giants. Some of you Dodger fans are like, boo, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it gets worse when you're an A's fan, okay? <laughs> Battle of the Bay, let's go. Oakland A's, that's my team. My son is an Oakland A's fan. And so reading that top line, it's like, well, son, you're taking another year off of baseball, man. This is over. <laughs> you ain't playing. Ain't, ain't, ain't gonna do it. You're not wearing that uniform. So I'm still working on a way that I'm going to mess with that, but it's going to be a lot of fun. It's like, today you're just going to wear a black shirt, son. Today it's just going to be an orange shirt. You will not have that logo written across your chest. So I get this email, and it's not just that, but it's not just, you know, two, one, two practices. It's actually, or two games. It's two practices and two games. So now I'm, I'm going like, okay, so I've got two boys. Totally cool. Signed up for that. Ready to go. But now I'm like, okay, in what I do, and being a pastor and all that crazy stuff and good stuff, which I love, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to go like, okay, so I've got Jacob three times a week and MJ four times a week. They're both playing on Saturday their, their schedules both completely cross, 
And all of a sudden, for whatever reason, I know it might be a small matter, and some of you are going like, dear Lord, Pastor, pull it together. I get it. Just work with me, okay? All of a sudden, I'm like, great. Six nights out of the week in the shepherd household, we are at the ball field, which is a great blessing. But the problem is, is now there's this part that comes up where it's like, Does anybody else in here have a lot to do? Am I the only one? Do you have a lot to do? Like, this is not poor me. We all have a lot to do. Pastors don't have it any harder. All of us have lives and all this stuff. But I'm just going, like, with that new schedule, knowing it's coming up, I already knew I'm going to lose about two hours of work a day because I want to be there for practice and I want to be there for games. I want to support my boys in that. So I already knew that eight hours in my work week was going to completely go away. The other side that got me over into stress land a little bit was the fact that I've really been very intentional about my health. Now, I know I make fun of it all the time, and I make fun of myself, which is okay to do, but it's like I love CrossFit, I love working out, but the reason why I do that is I'm really taking my health serious. See, what many of you may not know is is on my mom's side, every male on my mom's side that has got up in age have died because of a stroke. My grandpa had 12 in his lifetime before he passed away. Every male on that side, and even some of the females, have stroke issues. On my dad's side, all of them have heart issues. I wasn't here last week because we were at the marriage conference. The week before that, I was in Greeley, Colorado, because my dad had a heart attack and had to have quadruple bypass surgery. But my dad's not the only one. His brother, who was there with me, has had four surgeries. His dad has had six surgeries. So heart issues on my side is very detrimental. Jacob, the little white albino that always follows me around in this church, I can make fun of my son. He's my little albino. He's as white as can be. You can't miss him. If you ever wonder who's Pastor Rich's son, just look for the white glowing thing just running around, okay? That's who, that's who he is. Was born with the third degree heart blockage. So on my side of my family, there's major heart issues. So I started going through my calendar and started going, okay, well, I've got I've to make sure I take care of that, but I've also got to be there, there for my boys. And all of a sudden, I go to the gym. For whatever reason, I'm an early bird, but I convinced myself that, hey, because of this new schedule, well, I, I've got to go to the gym early in the morning. So I wake up at 5 like I normally do, get to the gym at 6, and then here's where it all hit, okay? Now, don't make fun of me. Just go with me, journey with me, be with me. All of a sudden, I'm working out, and the furthest thing from my mind is the workout that I'm doing. Literally, and some of you have probably been here, in the first 20 minutes of working out, I'm thinking about every other scenario in my day and in my week instead of being in the moment that I was supposed to be in that moment, taking care of myself, and I immediately started stressing because I told myself that, number one, the morning time for me is my most creative time. Now, I spend a lot of time as a pastor in the scriptures, in prayer, also, too, in a lot of podcasts, but I also read a lot of books on what it means to be productive. I think we live in a world that is moving way too fast, and if we don't focus on what really matters, we can miss the mark and really miss out on what it is that we're supposed to be doing as believers and dads and and wives and all, all that stuff. So we live in a very overproduced world, so I read a lot of books on how to maximize the time that I do have. And one of the things they said is that when you discover where you were at your best, that's when you do your your hardest work, okay? So for me, I am very creative. I'm very focused very first thing in the morning. A, A lot of people make fun of me. The reason I come to the church so early is because that's where my best time is. So now 
I'm working out, which is good for me, but now I'm missing out on my most creative time, and I'm doing CrossFit, which exhausts you and leaves you contemplating, why do I pay to put myself through this pain? This is ridiculous. I should just go golf and walk the course all the time. That's peaceful. It's green. There's ocean. There's grass. Ah. But no, no, no. So now I'm at the gym, and, all, and I'm going somewhere with this, so just follow me. And I'm completely stressing out. And I'm thinking about if I don't leave now, I'm going to miss out. It's going to be a very bad message on Sunday. I'm going to miss my prayer time. I'm going to have to cancel this appointment, cancel this meeting. I'm going to be super behind, which means I might not make it to the boys' practice. And I'm stressing out over something as little as this time management scenario that I have going on. Now, let me ask you a question. It may not be my personal thing, but have you ever found that when things start to stack on, that happens in your life as well? Have you noticed that when that happens, you begin to make up scenarios that don't even exist? Ooh, I think I hit a nerve on that one. Like, man, this this person's going to be so upset with me because I'm going to have to cancel with them. You ever ever felt that before? And then you cancel on them, and they're like, no problem. And you're like worried, stressed out. Or or, or you're going to miss something, and you actually, you don't miss it. Or you're you're not going to be as prepared but then you show up to class or to work or maybe for me right here and I'm actually okay. You make up these scenarios because of stress that, that don't even exist. And so what happens is, is I have found that stress begins to completely take you away from the things that matter most. And here's the deal. It's more than a problem. It's actually an opportunity. Can you say that with me? Say, it's an opportunity. See, see here's the thing. In these moments... We come face to face on on what we should do with our stress. Think about the stresses you have in your life today. You have relational stress, whether you're married, single and dating, friendships. Have you ever noticed that sometimes relationships in your lives bring on stress? How about occupational stress? That (laughs) That boss you work for, that coworker. Or maybe it's the amount that you're carrying. And it adds stress into your life. I'll I'll prove to you if it really exists. Today, around 6 o'clock tonight, if you're doing way too much at work, it's going to start coming across your mind. Because the weekend's over. Everyone goes, ah, weekend's over. And now what? Oh, i got to head back to work tomorrow. Why? Because you got too much. Or it's a stressful work environment. How about financial stress? Anybody ever been there before? Let me just give a commercial. This Wednesday night, 6.30 Fireside Room, do not miss it. This is more than just giving to the church. It's more about you stewarding what God has blessed you with, managing, having a budget, setting yourself up for the future. But these financial stress, they come on us, right? How about physical stress? Your your body just isn't what it used to be anymore. I just turned 38, and I know I'm young. I'm not going to say I'm old, but here's the deal. I do not recover like I used to recover. We're going to play nine holes today, and tomorrow my lower back is going to be going, hi, like it always does. Maybe you're a little bit older than that. I won't get any much older than that because I don't want to be rude, but it's like, have you noticed you don't recover? Maybe not, how about mentally? Have you noticed after a draining day, you just don't recover as quickly as you used to? I'm being very practical here in the open because I want to get into your world a little bit. If I can get you to open up about your world a little bit and really come to grips with where you are right now, then God's word, which is going to be the points that we have today in dealing with stress, because this is not a self-help message. You cannot help yourself. You ever ever meet people? I've I've bantered on this before. I'm just going to make it happen. 
How's that work out for you? I'm just going to tackle this with everything I got. Respectfully, how's it working out for you? I'm going to say for me, never good. I can have all the self-will I want. But if I don't partner with Jesus and put Jesus along with me in the process, then whatever it is I'm trying to tackle in life, whatever mountain, whatever valley, whatever the case it may be, when I put Jesus alongside of me, I have determined that it is far better than me just saying, I'm going to think myself to a happy place. And if you are a parent in here, you know exactly what it is I'm talking about. I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. He's not driving me crazy right now. He's not just, he wouldn't do that at school. Who would do that at school? We just had that talk at school. You ever tried to think yourself happy? What do we need to know? We need to know that stress is more than an opportunity or more than a problem. It's an opportunity. Okay, so here's my my next question. What does the Bible actually say about this? Go, Go back to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. I'm gonna point this out on the screen and let's look at some of the verbiage here. Jesus says, this is Jesus speaking, come to me. That right there tells me I have an opportunity when tough times come. Jesus says, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden. That word laden means a huge, enormous pressure. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor. In other words, you're living life, you're doing life. It's heavy. And what does he say? And I will give you rest. Everyone say rest. Does that sound good to anybody in here? I love rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you. And then Jesus coins these words, and learn from me. So if I'm weighed down by the pressures and the stress of life, come to me, I'm gonna give you rest. But then Jesus, being the guy that he is, which is so good, says, look, learn from me. Then he says, for I am gentle and I'm lowly in heart. And then he says it again, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is is light. I know it's very hard to believe this passage of scripture and the heaviness that stress can bring. But if this is the only scripture that for this week you decide, I'm going to memorize this to heart so that when stress comes, I'm telling you, this word alone from God right here will walk you through anything that you're feeling. Jesus is saying, here's the opportunity. If you labor and if it's heavy, very simple. Just, just come to me. Take my yoke. Gentle, easy, light. You guys are a very well-educated group. Does that sound like the opposite of stress to you? Sounds really good. It, It leads me to believe, why in the world, when stress comes, do I not press into God more? Why is it that I allow it to just kind of hold me down? respectfully, myself included, why is it when somebody asks me, hey, how you doing, that it's so easy to default to, jeez, things are a mess right now. Now, I get it. That's transparency and that's honesty. But why is it never like, man, you know what? Got a lot going right now. But man, I'm so grateful that when life started to pressure up on me a little bit, I've actually been pressing into God so much more. Man, my stress level went from like here to here, and I realized it, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to spend more time with Jesus. I'm going to commit myself more to God's word. You know what? Stress started hitting me, and I actually did something. I started praying a whole lot more, and man, it's made all the difference. Have you noticed that most people do not give you that response when stress is coming up, or is it just me? And listen, that's okay. I I get it. 
So, so here's the deal. What do we need to do with this whole idea of stress? Would you just look at your neighbor and say, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Okay, number one, three points. Ready? Number one is you got to go to God. Number one, very simple. Go to God. Some of you are like, you could have just said that at the beginning. I, I get that. I, I know I'm supposed to go to God. Okay, but here's the deeper question. What is actually happening when I go to God, when stress and pressure and the weight of life is coming up? What, what's actually happening? Well, when I go to God, what I'm doing is I'm dealing with my spirit. I'm gonna give you three points, all with a different application of what it's dealing with, okay? When you go to God, you're dealing with your spirit, your spirit man. I, I wanna make a statement on what it means to go to God and why going to God first is the most important thing you can do. And here's why, because it's your prayer life. But here's the thing. You gotta understand that you must make your prayers to God private before you make them public. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna drill on this a little bit. I want you to write that down if you're a note taker or a typer on your phone. Listen, I believe, I know it sounds corny, but note takers, they're history makers. I believe note takers actually can go back and remind themselves what they wrote. This is why I write notes for days because my memory is short because I have two little things running around in life called children. That's why parents, when you have more, you can't remember their names when they're in trouble. You're trying to call them out, but you're calling out the other one. Memory's gone. Listen, make your prayers to God private before you make them public. You see, too many times we're guilty of this. We're looking for a word or we're looking for an emotion or we're looking for some, some comfort from someone else before God. We're looking for sympathy. We're looking for empathy. Now, that, those, those things all have their place, but, but look at me real quick. God is the source of everything that you need. So you got to understand, when stress comes, when I go to God, I'm saying, hey, God, look, here's the deal. I'm feeling this weight right now. All this stuff is piling up. I don't want to go to work tomorrow. My finals are stressing me out. My professor's making things difficult. My spouse is consistently after me. I don't like myself at the moment. I don't feel good about where it's going, and I'm feeling all this stuff. And when that comes up, you got to just know, look, it's easy. Go to God. In the Old Testament, even in the part of the new, until Jesus died on the cross, if you had stress, if you had a prayer request, what you would do is you would take it to a priest, and then that priest would go, you know, in the other stuff and behind it and take your, your prayer request to present it to God. But when you read the stories of the gospel and Jesus dying, remember that one line about the veil being torn from top to bottom? What does it signify? It signifies that when Jesus died in that moment, God was saying, no longer do you take your problems first to a person. You don't got to go find yourself a pastor or a priest or a bishop or an apostle. God was saying, if you feel heaviness, if you feel stress, you have now, because of Jesus, direct access to me. And it's God saying that, look, here's the deal. I have direct access to you in prayer. So the reason why it's so important for us to get this is because when we go to God first as our source, what we're saying and what we're saying, hopefully we're believing, is that God can fix anything. If Jesus can't fix it, it can't be fixed. So we go to God in prayer. But too many times, myself included, we, we look to people. 
Here's what I've learned. Maybe, maybe some of you have seen this. When you have the habit of going to God first in prayer, and then you go to someone, wise counsel, godly counsel, a community of friends, because that does play its part. Have you noticed that their words sound a lot like God's? Let me tell you something about prophecy. Everyone just, just hone in real quick on this, okay? It's a little off subject. Let me give you something about prophetic words or prophecy that doesn't get taught too very well. We think that if a prophet or someone who moves in the prophetic has a word for us, that when they say it, I just simply got to believe it. Could be. But, but here's what I've learned about the prophetic or prophecy. Usually, if you have a prayer life, God has already said something about what that person just said to you. God's not going to catch you off guard. God is going to be doing something in your life and in your heart, in your day-to-day prayer life. He's going to start to expose a need or, or, or a burden or something really that he wants you to do. And when a prophet comes along, it confirms what God has already been speaking. In the same way, this is where we get it mixed up in prophetic words, is we don't consider God speaking first. We think because someone's got a title that it's gospel. Be very careful. If you have a daily consistent prayer life, God is already leading you in the direction he wants to go. And God will use people to confirm that. Does that make sense? It's so important that with your stress that you go to God and you have a prayer life. Who who modeled this the best? Well, I think, of course, Jesus modeled this the best. In moments of high stress or or in in moments where Jesus went on to do ministry, have you noticed some of these words? Look at Luke 5, 16. So he himself often, would you say often? Withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. The very son of God, communication with his father, he prayed, but it says he often withdrew. When you read here in Luke 5, 16, and when you see them in the other gospels, here's what you'll notice. Anytime Jesus was getting ready to go do ministry, he often withdrew first, and he prayed. Look, look at Mark 135. Some of you are not going to like this because you're not morning people. But now in the morning, everyone say morning, morning. having risen a long while before daylight, don't worry, I'm not saying you have to only pray in the morning, okay? He went out and he departed to a solitary place by himself, and there he prayed. In Matthew 26, we won't read it for, 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 for time's sake, but Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's getting ready to go to the cross, and what is he doing? What's he doing in a high-pressure situation, a stressful time? What's Jesus doing? He's praying. Who's he praying to? God. Then he goes back and he finds 12 of his guys, 11 probably at that time actually, and he's like, hey, why are you sleeping? Shouldn't you be praying? So he wakes them on up and, you know, spirit is willing, flesh is weak, and then he goes back and what does Jesus do again? He begins to pray again. Jesus sets the example that in times of high stress, we need to first go to God and we need to pray. Then I want to encourage you. After you've gone to God and you've made your prayers private, then find some people in your life that you trust, that are wise in counsel, that have served God a lot longer than you have, and get prayer. That's okay to do. And then call some people, get in community, 
Have a group of people on your phone that, man, that's, that's, that's your group and that's your core. And when you got something going on, high stress, you've taken it to God, you've taken it to counsel, man, pop that thing in a text message. Take, get your little Facebook group going. Show up somewhere at a coffee shop. Do whatever and get some prayer. So if you're going to tackle stress, number one is you have to go to God. Okay, number two is simply this, is you've got to prioritize purpose and you have to set boundaries. Prioritize purpose, set boundaries. What is this dealing with, okay? When I prioritize purpose and I set boundaries, I am dealing with the practical. I want to say something to those of us who've been in church for a long time. God does care about the practicals. People say, you need to, be, you need to talk more spiritual. Spiritual and practical both go the same. Let, let me just tell you, any miracle, supernatural, spiritual miracle in the Bible started out with the physical need or used physical items. Elijah, Old Testament, the jars, filling with oil, practical, normal, spiritual took place. Feeding of the 5,000, two fish, five loaves, practical things, supernatural. Both of them matter to God. And I feel that's worth people knowing. You got to know that God cares about, listen, if God says he knows the number of hair on your head, that's a very practical thing. And if you're missing hair from your head, he knows where those are too. He knows where they fell off. (laughs) And it's okay. You rock that bald, Anthony. You just, you you do it. Yeah, see, mama likes that. Listen, prioritizing purpose is so important. Watch here from stressing yourself out. The reason is, is because when you prioritize your purpose and you set boundaries, watch here, you know what to say yes to and you know what to say no to. And have you determined that both of those are powerful? When I say yes to something, I'm saying no to something else. Vice versa, when I say no to something, I'm saying yes to something else. You wanna know why a lot of people get stressed out? It's because they're saying yes to the things they should not be saying yes to. Have you ever committed yourself to do something that was outside of your gift level, outside of your time, and it just brought complete stress upon your life? You ever done that before? Have you ever overcommitted yourself in any way? What happened? I'll tell you what happened. You did it, and stress came. This is a very practical one. A lot of you with just this one point right here can alleviate so much stress in your life. Start saying no. Look at your neighbor and say no. See how easy that was? That's so easy. Friend calls you up later on and says, what'd you get at church today? They taught me how to say no. And I did it. I need an award. I live in California. Everybody gets awards. I participated. I said no. Again, baseball season is upon us. In our opening text, here's the deal. Paul shows us what to do when stress comes. But if you look further into the life of Paul, let me tell you why Paul was so good in high stressful moments. It's because he knew three things. You can write this down if you want. It's not the major point of the message, but I think it's good. Because Paul faced an enormous amount of stress. And he always came out on the other side and it made me wonder, how did he do that? How is Paul so good at that? He knew three things. And if we know these three things, we'll come through stress too. Paul knew who he was, he knew why he was here, and he knew where he was going. Again, I'll say it. Paul handled stress good because he knew who he was, 
He knew why he was here and he knew where he was going. For sake of time, you, you can go to the Uversion Bible app or I'll send you the notes. He knew who he was. When you go through the New Testament, Paul would open up his letters, whether they be in Romans, 1 Corinthians, Secondary, whatever, and he would say this, I, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Or, I, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. You can go throughout all of his letters and Paul would always open up with, I, Paul, an apostle. What's he saying? I know who I am. My name's Paul and I'm here for the service of my Lord. He knew who he was. Secondly, he knew why he was here. So he knew who he was, but then he knew why he was here. Look at Romans 1.1. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. He knew his role. In other words, he knew his purpose. When you know your purpose and you've got it dialed, it's easy to say yes, it's easy to say no, okay? Lastly, he knew where he was going. Look at Philippians 3.13. No, Christian brothers, I do not have that life yet, but I, I, I do... I, I do one thing. Everyone say one thing. I forget everything that is behind me and I look forward to that which is ahead of me. He would later go on to say that I know who I am, why I'm here, or where I'm going. He would go on to say, I'm going to places to be like people. I'm going to places to introduce people to the gospel. Listen very carefully. When you know who you are, why you're here, and where you're going, when an opportunity presents itself, you can answer it properly. If you can know who you are, why you're here, where you're going, okay? Break it up into practical terms. I'll give you my life or, or the married people in the room. Any married people in the room? Show of hands. If you love your spouse, raise it up high. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Lady in the back had all, she's like, she's like, I'm in. I love my spouse. It's very simple. I think life is really this way. Well, listen, what is it? God first my spouse second, my kids third if I have them, and then my purpose. I tell my boys all the time, boys, your mother was here before you were. Mama comes first, always. Okay, so it's God. I can't love my wife if I don't know God. I can't serve my wife if I don't know God. I gotta have God first. And then it's my spouse, then it's my kids, and then it's my purpose. God called me to be a pastor. I love being a pastor. Do you know that I love preaching God's word? It's a joy in my life, but my favorite thing is to just be with you all. I know, I know Dave and Joe are here. We're gonna go out today and hit a little white golf ball. Talk life. It's gonna be awesome. It's the favorite part of my week. Some of you I meet for lunch. If you go to our website, you can do this little thing called coffee with the pastors, except when you do it with me, I usually do it with lunch because I like food. And people, man, they register for that. And I get to meet people in the community all the time. It's great. I love that. It's my purpose. Now, if you're here and you're single, it's very simple. It's God. It's your purpose. Then it's your relationships. Now, I know for some you can kind of, but listen very carefully. Listen very carefully. One day, God will give you a spouse. And it is your job to steward that gift. So the reason God is first is because, well, that's a no-brainer. God's first. 
But the reason at this time in your life, you're building your life. Listen, we, we live in a Western culture society. There's this thing called rent, utilities, electricity. Are you picking up what I'm saying here? It's called living life. You gotta be able to provide. And God's okay with that. And God gives you the gift to gain wealth. But your purpose is so important. I'm not saying you can't date while you're getting your purpose. I'm just saying don't get the two mixed up. Build a life that you can bring somebody along with you on. See how easy purpose really could be right there? And I know it gets confusing when you're trying to discover your purpose. We've already talked about that and we can talk about it again. But here's the thing. It's, It's my priorities. It's where I begin to perk God. Now, now in the area of boundaries, listen very carefully, very easy. Know your limitations. Know what you can say yes to. Know how much you can handle. Listen, give yourself permission to lighten the load and allow stress and don't allow stress to weigh you down. I remember a friend told me this. He said this. He said, Rich, I was struggling in, with, with some of this. He said, Rich, just do this. Ready for this? He said, be where you are. That's actually really good. And that helps a guy like me because I'm so boxed to everything. And he said, Rich, he goes, and he's a great friend of mine. He, he sees everything in my life. And he told me, he said, Rich, he goes, you have a hard time being in the moment that you're in. You're always thinking about what you got to do next. He said, don't do that. He said, listen, if you're at the gym, be at the gym. If you're at your boys' baseball game, be at the baseball game. If you're in God's house, be in God's house. If you're on a date with your wife, be on the date with your wife. Be where you are. I, I, I've, I'm learning that everything else just kind of falls into place if I could just be where I'm supposed to be and be in that moment. Uh, I want to encourage all the parents in here. I'm not trying to single people out, but listen, when you're with your kids, be with your kids. Don't be distracted by your phone. Don't be distracted by anything. Be with them. Be in that moment. You want to know why? They see it all. They, they see all that. Go to God. Ready? Number two, prioritize purpose and set boundaries. And then thirdly, find a way to joy. Find a way to joy. Joy is not a person, okay? I'm talking about happiness. Some of you are like, joy? She's, she's right over there. Want to go to lunch? You know? Get joy, she's right there. Fun fact. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. What, what, what's happening when I find a way to joy? When I find a way to joy, I'm dealing with my emotions. You get that? So when I prioritize my purpose and set boundaries, I'm, I'm dealing with the practicals. When I go to God, I'm dealing, I'm dealing with the spiritual. But when I find a way to joy, here's the thing. I'm dealing with my emotions. I want you to notice what the word says. I thought this was really good. In the, King, in the New King James Version, look at Proverbs 17, 22. It says, a merry heart does good. And then it says this word, like medicine. Today, I want to encourage you, go to Google, type in USA Today, and then, and then in the search, just put joy like medicine. The USA Today came out with an article, got a group of doctors and scientists around, and they proved, they it's, it's proven, it's fact that they say joy can heal the body. 
And I remember when this article came out, man, people were in an uproar. Oh my gosh, joy, this guy get happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, uh-huh. And then I was like, by the way, this wasn't written and then whenever it was released. No, no, no. It was written thousands of years ago. It's in the Bible. It's funny. It's funny how science is starting to find out that the Bible is actually true. Notice what it says in the message version. I love this though. It says, a cheerful disposition is good for your health. <laughs> and then it says, gloom and doom will leave you bone tired. Thought that was good. Want to know why it's so good? Because it's so true. When you're not happy in life, when you've allowed things to steal your joy, it leaves you sick in body. I've, listen, I've met them. I've sat in my office and I've counseled with people who have no joy. And they'll, they'll flat out tell you they are so tired. And that's because they don't have any joy. Listen, after you've gone to God in prayer, after you've prioritized purpose and set boundaries, move yourself in a direction of something that brings you joy, brings you rest, brings you peace. I used to tell people all the time, if there's a movie that makes you laugh, turn that movie on. If there's a comedian that just makes you laugh, turn that comedian on. Get some joy. If it's going for a walk on the beach, you walk that beach, you check out that sunset, and then if they're still open, you go to Old West Cinnamon Roll, get yourself one, put the cream on top, let them heat it up, eat one bite, and just smile. Now, amen. That's what I do. So have you noticed they closed early? sell out every day listen what am I saying I'm saying joy is where you find your strength look at the words of Nehemiah 8.10 do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength are you weak the joy of the Lord will make you strong amen thanks for listening be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media to hear more about what God is doing through our church at Canyon Hills San Luis Obispo. For more information, visit canyonhills.com.